Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark my iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered, O Lord. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks God. Amen. Let's pray together, if we will. God, thank you for this word. A word that challenges us to listen and to be ready to pray. A word of God that speaks to our hearts on our journeys. Speak now to us, we pray, O God, is my prayer that you'd speak through me, and if necessary, in spite, speak, O God, that we would hear your word for us this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to start with a parable that Annie, my wife, actually wrote uh, with a group of us that have been working on pilgrimage theology with Missional Wisdom Foundation for almost a year now. We've been meeting every couple weeks uh, to discuss the theology of pilgrimage, and this short parable came out of one of our discussions. It's called Liza's Bucket. Hear these words. There was an older woman who walked to the well to get water. When she was young, she had to walk to the well twice a day to fill her needs. But gradually, her bucket began to develop small holes. Now she had to walk to the well four times a day to fill her needs. As she would walk, she would say to a young woman cutting wild mustard along the roadside, if only I had a new bucket that did not leak, I could be happy. She would grumble to the butterflies who were sipping minerals from the mud on the side of the road soaked by water. And she would say to the butterflies, at least you don't have to walk to the well four times a day. She would sigh to the child picking yellow irises by the road. I am too old to walk this way so often. At last, the people of her village took pity on her and bought her a new bucket. She smiled, a huge smile, as she carried her bucket to and from the well twice a day. She often had to stop and rest, as now the bucket was too heavy, it didn't have any holes. But no longer could she talk to the young woman. No longer could she talk to the butterflies and no longer could she talk to the child. For the roadside, the roadside had dried up. It was barren. It was a dusty track now, no water. And those seeking nourishment along the road and delight there 
had to go elsewhere. Let those who have ears to hear, hear. As I got ready for this sermon, I do something that I do almost every time I preach. I went to my Dropbox folder full of my old sermons just to see if I'd ever preached on this passage before. And I went to the folder uh, aptly entitled Sermons and went to the section entitled Psalms and took a look at what psalms I had preached on in the past. I found that I had never used Psalm 130 in a sermon before. However, almost every psalm that I've ever used in a sermon come from what is called the Psalms of Ascent. Almost every sermon that I've ever preached come from a group of psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 130, which are a compendium called the Psalms of Ascent. Now they're called the Psalms of Ascent for one reason. They were used for pilgrimage journeys. Uh, they were used for pilgrimage journeys primarily to Jerusalem uh, during three festivals that our Jewish sisters and brothers uh, pilgrimage to Jerusalem to uh, three times a year. The, the largest one being Passover. And the reason they're called the Psalms of Ascent is that when we go to Jerusalem, we are always ascending to where God is, uh, the temple, the temple at Jerusalem for the festival. I found it fascinating that these were the Psalms that have always drawn me or spoken to me and, and been Psalms that I've wanted to preach on. This is the, the Psalm for the lectionary in two weeks from today. And I looked at Psalms across the, the kind of last four weeks and this one just continued to speak to me and it was interesting because this idea of pilgrimage has been one that has been very important for me and for Missional Wisdom Foundation for our community uh, since we started as an organization but also specifically this year as a group of us have been studying pilgrimage theology. I couldn't help but think of pilgrimages to Jerusalem that Jesus, as he went to his final Passover, was a pilgrim headed to Jerusalem. The three festivals are called the three pilgrimage festivals, the Salosh Regalim, Sukkot, Shavuot, and, and Passover. And as folks would pilgrim, as folks would pilgrim to Jerusalem, these psalms would be the psalms that were sung or recited on the road to Jerusalem. I want to back up just a moment and give a working definition of pilgrimage. So if someone say, well, what is pilgrimage? What, what exactly are we doing? So pilgrimage is a journey taken to connect incarnationally in the flesh with the Christ within us and encounter the divine in a clearer, simpler way. Say it again, pilgrimage is a journey taken to connect incarnationally in the flesh with the Christ within us in a clearer and simpler way with the divine. As folks pilgrimed to Jerusalem, these Psalms would have been recited over and over again. And one of the things that would have been interesting is that as you pilgrim from different places, uh, you might would meet up with other pilgrims headed to Jerusalem and there would be someone, uh, something like a cantor or maybe a leader that would start the Psalm. And the way the Psalms were known by, were by the first line. Out of the depths I cry, O God. And then everyone would have come in behind that person that knew it and started reciting the rest of the Psalm or singing it if it was one that was sung. And in specific, these uh, 14 Psalms, it's 120 to 134, would have been the ones that have been used 
So not only was this something that happened as folks pilgrimed, as they went to Jerusalem to meet specifically with God at the temple, but also it was something that joined the community. Initially, these wouldn't have been written, but would have been recited. They would have been known orally. They would have been part of the oral tradition. And so as folks pilgrimed to Jerusalem, they would have sung the Psalms together. Over this last year, this group of folks that have been studying the theology of pilgrimage have uh, studied a lot because we, we go to Iona, Scotland every year. Uh, Iona, Scotland is a place where, where the longest uh, residential, intentional Christian community has been running for about 1,300 or 1,400 years. Folks have lived in community there. In that same amount of time, people have pilgrimed to Scotland uh, with expectation to experience the divine in a special way. In the same way, people do that every year to Jerusalem or they go to the El Camino or our, our students go to Wilderness Trail expecting to pilgrim, expecting to experience God in a special way. As I read this psalm this week and thought about crying out from the depths of who we are, as I thought about the journey that folks take in pilgrimage, I began to wonder this question. What if every day is an opportunity to participate in pilgrimage? So when you intend to go to a place like Scotland or Jerusalem or the El Camino, like it's a major journey. It is a significant portion of time and energy uh, invested if you're leaving from a place like Asheville. And you may think to yourself, well, I'm never going to be able to do a pilgrimage. That's not within my means. It's not something I have time to do, which made me begin to think, what if each day we have an opportunity to be pilgrims? And what if we have these psalms of ascent that help guide us through our daily lives, give us words when we don't have words to cry out to God? And, and that's when I was led back to some of our, our work. So in pilgrimage theology, we found that there's basically a five-part movement that happens for every pilgrim. And each, each person that pilgrims, if you look across time, uh, participates in a five-part movement. And then I began to think about what that movement looks like in our daily lives. So I'd like to talk through that, all right? The first movement of pilgrimage is preparation. The first movement of pilgrimage is preparation. So if you're going to go to Jerusalem or you're going to walk the El Camino or you're going to go to Iona, Scotland, like there's some obvious things that you have to do. You have to buy plane tickets. You have to make sure you have the right kind of clothing. You have to make sure you have the right kind of shoes. Have you taken some time to read some books about the spaces where you're going and some of the history? Those are some obvious preparations when you're going on one of these pilgrimages away from maybe where you live. But my guess is, is that most of us take time each day to prepare whether we set out our clothes the night before or make sure that our coffee maker is set to go off in the morning or we go over the notes for the meeting that's going to happen later on that day, we take time each day in preparation. What if we begin to think of this as a spiritual act? Rob Bell says that everything is spiritual. What if this is a part of our calling as incarnational flesh people called to be like Christ? What if preparation becomes not just rote things that we feel like we have to do, but are necessary things, a part of our, our preparing us to be called in Christ each day? I couldn't help but think about the first sermon that I ever preached when I was 15. It went pretty awful. Um, <laughs> you know, it just is what it is. And I remember I got done and I talked to one of our associate pastors at Central Ashboro, where, where Annie and I grew up. 
And I said, man, it just didn't go well. And he said, well, how did you prepare? And I said, well, I, you know, I read the scripture lots of times and uh, I read a couple books and he said, did you write anything down? I was like, no, you know, I just wanted to get up there and let the Holy Spirit work through me. And he said, you know what I found? He said, I found when I prepare, the Holy Spirit works a lot better. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll never forget that line. Um, but you know what is true, I think, in that? Is that each day we have an opportunity to prepare for the way in which God is going to use us in our everyday lives. And we can choose to prepare, which is hard and not easy. And we don't always do it, and, and I, Lord knows I don't always do it. But I think one of the things that we learn from thinking about pilgrimage theology is that when someone goes on a pilgrimage intentionally to Iona or Wilderness Trail or Jerusalem, there's an incredible amount of preparation that has to happen. And what if every day is treated with the same kind of, of integrity and love and hope for that day in preparation? So the second part of the, the movement, the five-part movement that is pilgrimage experience and pilgrimage theology is the journey. So when you go to Iona, Scotland, it, you take two planes, you take a train, a ferry, a bus, and another ferry, and then you walk a mile. You got to want to get there. You got to want to go there. It's got to, it, it is, the intention is, is necessary. And if you think about the first, some of the first pilgrims to Jerusalem headed to the temple, if you think about when Jesus did that when he was 11 or 12, about the intention that had to go into that journey. Maybe, maybe a family didn't have a donkey, maybe they did have a mule, who knows? They had to think about it for the entire year to get ready to go to the Passover pilgrimage. And you gotta think that sometimes maybe these Psalms of ascent, oh, out of the, out of the depths I cry, oh Lord, was part of what they felt as they traveled to Jerusalem expecting to meet God the journey in of itself with each other is an incredibly important part of the process. And it's not always easy. I think about our journeys that we, we experience day to day, uh, journeys maybe from our homes in the morning to school or to work, how sometimes we really don't wanna get in the car to even go. Journeys from maybe one meeting to another or one place to another, journeys to go visit family. What if in each of those moments we recognize that there's a potential for a pilgrimage experience and that journey is a part of the process. I know that sometimes it would change my attitude around places that I'm journeying that maybe I don't wanna go. If I saw that as a spiritual experience, if I saw that as a part of my pilgrimage and life and participating with the work of God in the world. The journey moves us to the third part of the movement which is called encounter. I love that. Think about all the different stories in the Bible, especially some of the ones we've read the last couple of weeks and had preached on the encounters that we have with Christ in the world. There are two words that I think are very important for the idea of encounter. The first word is intention, intention. What is our intention each day? Do we intend to experience the work of God in the world? Do we intend to participate in God's work in our daily lives? Do we see our work intentionally as being a part of God's work? What is our intention? 
The second word is expectation. Is what do we expect? Expect. 